Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. Let the financial fun begin. We are diving into a topic that's often avoided. Sometimes it's really awkward, but it is critically important. And that's talking about estate planning with your family, with your loved ones, especially parents, grandparents, other people that you might be responsible for as they get older. So you don't want to skip this episode. Trust me, your financial future and your family's well-being could depend on it. And I can tell you this from a lot of years of experience as a certified financial planner. I've seen many, many examples of estate plans and organization that's been done really well and lots of horror stories as well. In fact, I keep telling you this. I think that someday I'm going to record a episode of the Wiser Financial Advisor entitled Estate Planning Horror Stories, just so you see the importance of it. And uh, hopefully it'll motivate a few people to kind of get off the dime and start having the conversations, putting some things into place. Before we dive in, if you are new here, make sure you subscribe and hit that notification bell. So why is estate planning such a big deal? And why do many of us tend to avoid avoided. Well, kind of like the talk, I think a lot of people are dreading it, right? When you talk about the talk, it's just awkward. Bottom line is it's simple. The subject touches on two things that we're uncomfortable discussing, which is death and money. And so that's why people oftentimes avoid it. But avoiding this crucial topic can leave your family in a tough spot and your hard-earned assets distributed in ways that you might not want. And ultimately, at least in the state of Colorado, the way it works is that if the estate planning completely breaks down and there's no beneficiaries that can be located, it goes to the state of Colorado. So that is the worst beneficiary. You do not want the government to be your beneficiary. If nothing else, that's a good reason to make sure that things are well organized. So let's just start with the basics. What is estate planning? Simply put, estate planning is a strategy for managing your stuff. It's for managing your assets if you become incapacitated or if you pass away. And I'm not just talking about a will. That's oftentimes what people think, oh yeah, I have a will or I need to get a will. That's an important part of this, but that's not it. An estate plan is an entire kind of process, looking at all your stuff, making sure that your affairs are in order if something were to happen to you. And we're going through this right now in our family, actually, with a, an, an older family member that you know is, is older, first of all. Uh, in that situation, we're looking at everything. We're looking at the powers of attorney, trusts, healthcare directives, and yes, also the will, also known as the last will and testament. And bottom line is that estate planning isn't just for the wealthy. I think a lot of people think that, no, nah, it's just for rich people. You don't need a mansion. You don't need a yacht to make an estate plan. So this is not just for rich people. So if you have any assets like a home, a car, real estate, even just a savings account, you need an estate plan. You've got stuff. We've all got stuff, regardless of how much stuff or financial assets we have. We do have things that need to be managed and need to be well organized, not only because we want to make sure that there isn't any undue cost, but also we want to make sure that we're making things easier for our loved ones. That's part of the process here. I can tell you from working with a lot of our clients over the years that have been in that position, it's extremely stressful. It's extremely stressful anyway, because you just lost a loved one or your loved one is incapacitated. But then on top of that, having to kind of deal with, with a mess. And oftentimes things are kind of a mess. So that's what we're trying to avoid here. Why bother with all the paperwork, with going to attorneys and you know all the complexity? I think more often than not, I, I hear people say, no, nah, my stuff is simple. I don't need any of that. Well, if you pass away without an 
estate plan. And that's what we call dying intestate. Believe it or not, uh, no matter how many different experts and things that they should have access to, they could pay the best attorneys in the world, but they just didn't get around to it. And so what ends up happening is that your state's laws will dictate how your assets get distributed. So in the state of Colorado, where I'm recording this right now, um, dying intestate, they do have a plan. <laughs> so it's the state's laws that dictate how things get distributed out. In some cases, that might work just fine, but in others, it might not align with what you want or what your family needs. The other side of it, too, is that courts are oftentimes not quick, as well-meaning as the people that work in the courts might be. Sometimes the court is not quick. Uh, the process can drag on. It could be very expensive. Uh, it could cause a lot of stress, could cause a lot of strife among loved ones. And that's part of the process here, too, is trying to avoid fights. Oftentimes, we hear our clients talk about that when they talk about their estate planning. They say, you know what? I just don't want my kids to fight. I don't want to create this situation where they're all fighting over my stuff or my house or whatever it is. So the longer this process goes, that's more likely to happen. And so, and, and again, you know, intestate laws can also eat up more of your estate because now you probably have to pay attorneys legal fees uh, to try to fight things or, or try to change things, go to court, maybe when you wouldn't have had to. And it could also result in some extra taxes that you probably wouldn't have had to pay. So what should be in your estate plan? At a minimum, you should have a will that's also known as a last will and testament that basically is your letter to the probate court judge that outlines how you want your assets to be distributed after you pass. That's also where you would name a guardian. So this is relevant to us. We've got minor children. That would be where you would name the guardian for your children should the parents pass away or become incapacitated, it makes it very clear who you wanted to take care of your kid or whoever it is that you're responsible for. That's critically important because talk about a mess. Uh, if something happens and now the family is fighting, I've seen that happen over the years where the guardian wasn't named and it creates a real mess because now you've got grandparents, aunts, uncles, other people that might be fighting over the kids. And that is really, really sad and stressful for everybody. It's important to have a will or last will and testament for those reasons. It is your wishes that you're writing out probably better that you visit with an attorney, somebody who knows what they're doing, uh, because it is critical that it get done correctly. Number two is a durable power of attorney that designates someone that you trust to handle your financial affairs if you are not able to. Even if it's a situation where maybe you had a major surgery or something like that, and you're going to be out of commission for a week, if you've got a power of attorney, somebody's going to be able to pay your bills and take care of your financial affairs. So that could even be a spouse. And oftentimes, if you're married, that is who you would name as your durable power of attorney. Then you probably would name a backup. Uh, number three is healthcare directives. This is called different things depending on what jurisdiction that you're in. Sometimes called a healthcare directive or a medical power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney. Sometimes called a living will. That can be part of that because what it does is it basically does a couple of different things. It sets out your wishes. Number one for medical treatment if you can't communicate, and a living will in Colorado at least the living will is just a one-page document and it designates what you'd want to have happen if you're completely unresponsive and basically a couple of doctors have signed off. 
So the other thing with healthcare directives or medical power of attorney or healthcare power of attorney is that you've designated somebody and it could be the same person that's the durable power of attorney, but the medical power of attorney gives them access to be able to make decisions on your behalf or my behalf. It also gives them access to records. And that's really important too. I I see a lot of our estate planning attorney uh, partners that we work with, they'll include some language in there that even talks about HIPAA that waves, you know, HIPAA rights, that sort of thing to the medical power of attorney. So people can get access to records. So it's something that's not pleasant to think about, but it's really important to think about kind of healthcare stuff as well, not just about the money or the business affairs. Number four, beneficiary designations. And I don't want to gloss over this because it's often overlooked. We see this happen all the time where you haven't checked your life insurance, your retirement accounts to make sure that your beneficiaries are up to date. Now you might be thinking, well, Josh, but yeah, I already did a will. You know, that's okay. I already took care of that. We actually saw that happen in a client situation where the person who passed away, they had left one of their kids out of the will on purpose. They had kind of changed it. There was some estrangement and it turned out that he didn't remember to change the beneficiary designations. And so his wishes were not carried out and, you know, zero judgment. It's completely up to each person as far as what they decide to do and who they include or don't include in their stuff. But bottom line is his wishes were not carried out because the beneficiary still had that child that was listed on the account and the custodian, say if that's Charles Schwab or Fidelity or whoever the custodian is of those assets, say if it's a retirement account, they're going to go by what's on the form. They don't care what your will says. The other thing I'll mention is that sometimes people will do a trust and a trust would be another type of document. Sometimes people will do that, especially if they want to have more control or maybe kind of looking at their other mechanisms like beneficiary designations or a will. Maybe that doesn't work for them for some reason. Uh, Sometimes it's for privacy reasons. Sometimes it's to avoid probate. It's also just to be able to exercise control kind of after that person's passed away. For example, for Sarah and I, we do actually have a children's trust set up because our kids are, well, a couple of them are adults, actually. We've got a couple in college right now, but still, do you really want to give a bunch of money to a a college-age student? I know I would not have made the wisest decisions when I was 20 or 18 years old uh, if I got a bunch of money piled into my lap. Oftentimes, people will do a trust or something else to kind of manage those assets, at least for a period of time. Could also be a special situation, maybe a special needs child or something where really ongoing management would be needed. There are reasons that there are definitely reasons why you would want to look at a trust in addition to these other methods. So that's a lot of stuff. We glossed over that very quickly. Uh, but And all of those things that we just mentioned are deserving of their own podcast episodes, their own books. Believe me, there, there's a lot of information out there. So this is not to make you an expert. Uh, I'm certainly not a state attorney. So you definitely want to consult other professionals. We'll talk about that here in a bit. But back to the the topic here, I called this today, it's time to have the talk. The reason why I called it that is that people avoid this topic like crazy. And I can tell you from my own life, it's it's not comfortable. You start thinking about this stuff. So if you've got an older loved one that you're approaching, how do you approach them? How do you actually broach that subject with them? It's a couple of things. You know, this is where I've seen it happen successfully. Um, and this is in our family, as well as looking at a lot of client situations. That's one big benefit you have from me is that I've got a, a couple decades plus in this industry and have a lot of real life experience, you know, a lot of real life experience as far as how this stuff actually works. But number one is to resolve to do it anyway. This is going to be uncomfortable, probably, you know, it's almost certainly going to be uncomfortable. So resolve to do it anyway. 
because of the horror stories, because of the consequences of not doing it are far worse in the long run than the awkwardness of making this happen. Number two would be choosing a place where everybody can be kind of open and comfortable. Sometimes people even do this as a family meeting, but get into a situation where people can really be honest and ask honest questions. Ask some of the things that I've covered here as far as, hey, have you done any estate planning yet? In an easy way, I can tell you this from my own experience, a really, really easy way to bring this subject up is to start with you when you're bringing the topic up. But starting with yourself, say if it's your parent and you're trying to approach them and and kind of broach that awkward subject. So use you. If you've just gone through and done your stuff, you just met with an attorney and you have your will and trust and powers of attorney, you've checked your beneficiary designations, you're working with a certified financial planner like myself, uh, hey, we just went through this whole process and uh, you know we did X and Y and Z. I just wanted to let you know, you know we kind of have our stuff organized if something were to happen to me. So that's an easy way. And then the next question is, so I, I'm just curious, have you kind of gone through that process yourself, you know, kind of gently wading into it if you think it's awkward and it depends on your relationship with your family member or your loved one. It, it could be that it's not that awkward, but it, especially if you're feeling really awkward about it, that is a very natural way to approach this. So using yourself and just throwing it out there, throwing the question out there. I just want to make sure because I don't know if I'm being named as personal representative or power of attorney. I would just want to make sure that I knew if something were to happen to you, what I would need to be worried about or kind of where your stuff is. So that's really where the conversation can open up. And then you can really encourage them to talk to a professional, uh, sit down and, and actually start to make some decisions on this stuff. Chances are they've done something. It might just be some beneficiary designations. It could be that they do have a will and it could be really old. Maybe it's 20, 30 years old or an old trust or something like that. Just because they've gone through the process doesn't mean that it's a set it and forget it type approach. You really have to review this stuff uh, because a lot of times we forget what we did. So I always recommend to my clients every five years, max, every five years, go back through, double check your beneficiaries, actually read through your documents, read through your trust, your will, whatever you put into place to make sure that that's still correct. And more often is the case is, and I even had this happen with with my stuff too, going back and reading it and you're like, oh my gosh, did I do that? Did I choose that? You know, that, that doesn't make sense anymore because of family situations or maybe somebody that you named, uh, you, you know that maybe they're no longer in a position to be able to execute stuff. Say if you've named somebody as a trustee or a power of attorney or your personal representative uh, to your will, could be that you've named somebody and they might not even be alive. You know, they, they could pass away. And we see this with younger clients a lot is that they'll, they don't know who they're going to name. So they kind of name their parents. Well, meanwhile, their parents pass away and now it's 20, 30 years later and they go back. Oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, that's, that's what I designated. So it's important to, to think about that. It's one of these things that uh, we just kind of put it off because we don't want to imagine or maybe think that that's so far off that something could happen to us that it's not relevant. Maybe it's not urgent. I will tell you that almost every situation ends up becoming urgent like that. 
then it's too late, you know, because they can't speak for themselves anymore. They can't sign off on documents. Could even be a situation where uh, somebody maybe has uh, developed uh, Alzheimer's or dementia, uh, Parkinson's, you know, something where maybe that's really diminished their capacity to be able to communicate or understand what's going on. At that point, it gets very, very awkward and difficult, much more awkward than having the conversation to begin with and getting well organized. So I guarantee the, we can't say that very often in our world as financial planners, but I guarantee that the initial awkwardness will be far less painful than the consequences of not having the talk. That is my encouragement to you today is to take a look at your own stuff. Number one, make sure that your own house is in order. Kind of hard to approach a family member if your own stuff isn't in order. And it makes it a lot easier to start that conversation because you've just gone through your own stuff. And maybe it's just reviewing your stuff. Maybe you've already done a lot of this, but go back through, have a read, take a look at the beneficiaries, and then it will make it a lot more easy. You will be a lot more credible (laughs) approaching your family member because you'll be able to say, hey, I just went through this process. I just checked on my own stuff. And And that breaks the ice a bit and makes it a little less awkward to get into that conversation. One last thing, I mentioned this a little bit before, is to get professional help. I can't stress this enough. The likelihood that you are a financial planning expert or tax expert or an estate expert is really low. And oftentimes we think we can do things ourselves and we think that we can do things cheaper. Oftentimes that does not happen. <laughs> I can use the example myself, you know, all kinds of stuff, house projects, you know, trying to mess with the car, things like that. Oftentimes it ends up costing a lot less just to pay somebody who knows what they're doing to begin with. And really estate laws are complex. They constantly change. So even if it's something that you did a long time ago and it made sense at that time, it may not anymore. And frankly, that's a lot of why I have jobs security. As a certified financial planner, that's our job to keep up with this stuff. And we are well networked, just so you know, we are a firm that really covers things comprehensively. We look at all the stuff with our clients and we do consult with attorneys, with other advisors, accountants, tax experts, trust officers. There are all kinds of different people that we have access to on your behalf. And so we really want to pull a whole team together to make all this happen. That's what gets us up in the morning and really gives me at least a a huge sense of fulfillment because of the impact that we can have on people's lives and on their families' lives. That's where it is, folks. Thank you for joining me today on the Wiser Financial Advisor. I hope this was helpful to you. Please consider sharing it with somebody who needs to hear it. Again, subscribe because it's something that everybody needs to hear. Stay tuned for more episodes aimed at making you financially wiser. I hope you have a wonderful week and God bless. We love feedback and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes and help us promote the podcast. And also subscribing to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. The opinions voiced in the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with host Josh Nelson are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services, an SEC-registered investment advisor.